This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Jay Bakley, Grant Nicholson producing the operation. And a little bit of a surprise. Grant actually brought breakfast. This is major breaking news. And with the storm. Jay, I'm going the extra mile for the show today. I, I know you are. And I appreciate it because, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't easy getting in here. It was probably as bad as it's ever been trying to get in here. <laughs> Not a <laughs> snowstorm mean, or anything, but it was just like pitch dark, man. It was insane. That's a freaking storm, man. We can talk about these little raindrops. That was a freaking storm. When I woke up, I thought it was still like 6 a.m. I was like, okay, I've got like another hour to sleep. Yeah, it'll no screw you way. up, man. No way. But nice job, Storm. That's That was a good one. Nice job. I enjoyed it. Supposedly, there's a couple more lines like that later, so stay safe. You see that sky darkening up, uh, just pull over. It's the best thing to do, just pull over the parking lot and chill or a watering hole. Well, if you're going to the NASCAR or if you're going to Kansas Speedway, imagine those RVs out there. All those RVs, Grant, because we have the race at Kansas Speedway today. NASCAR's here. It's supposed to clear up by the time this, by the race starts or what? I hope so. I think so. I, I, who knows, man? I'm not a weatherman. But a couple more lines. But, yeah, the afternoon was better. Now, could it be delayed a little bit? Maybe, but they'll try to get the race in. I mean, this isn't like, you know, baseball. We just postpone it and just have a doubleheader in July 15th. You don't do it. But, anyway, that's here. Um, schedule release. We're having a lot of fun. I have Ron Copper with Pride coming on here at 9.30. Vern will join us at 11 as we'll talk Royals. Well, woes at this point. They've dropped two of three to the Orioles, dropped two of three to the Rangers. And it, it's the uh, rubber game against the uh, Rockies. They can win two of three or lose two of three to the Colorado Rockies today. Daniel Lynch on the mound for the Royals against very good hitting lefty team, the Colorado Rockies. And then last night, Grant, I get these alerts on my phone. <laughs> How in the hell does Sporting Kansas City lose 7-2? to two? I mean, so I know you follow Sporting Kansas City. I like watching them, too. I support the hometowns. I'm not a big soccer guy. But how the hell does that happen? That That's 7-2? Yeah, uh, not not necessarily going to be a banner year for Sporting well, KC. Well, I knew that, but seriously, dude, 7-2. to two. I mean, that's like getting beat like 56-3, to three, isn't it, in football terms? I don't know if it's quite that bad. It's more like getting beat like 40 to 14 or something. You're getting beat by five goals. Yeah. I mean, that's that, that's 56 to nothing maybe. Yeah, and the, the bummer part is the first half they really played pretty good. The second half it just totally flipped and there was no no chance at all. And they just dropped out. I wish I could sit here and tell you that there was like a freak show like, oh, they just scored some great goals. But the defense just didn't show up. It was not good. It just it, one of those shocking scores. It's like, okay, and the team that beat them, Portland, they're not exactly a great team either. I mean, they're, 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 they're Portland is, like, one. pretty good, though. Like, they'll they'll be towards the middle to top half of the but league the every year. But the standings are not this year. It's early. It's early, you know. I, I know it is, but in the Western Conference. In June. Well, I'm just trying to put this in this perspective. They're, they're, they're currently ninth in the standings in the Western Conference. Sporting's 12th. So it's not exactly like they were beaten by the best team in the league, seven to two. Yeah, I mean, I'm just like getting hammered by the Orioles, man. 
I don't have a lot of explanation. Like 20 to 21. The Orioles, the, hey, the Orioles took a series from the Cardinals, though. In the Royals. In the, well, <laughs> I thought that went without saying, to be honest. I, it was just kind of shocking. It's like you don't see that. I mean, they're just the market consistency. And I know they're off to a rough year, but seven to two. And I know they didn't, weren't taking it well either. But um, regardless, the schedule came out this week. We talked about it a little bit last week, Grant. How excited were you when the when the uh, games were released? Did you even care? Because I tried to get you to care. Like, I really tried to get you to care last week. Did you care? About the schedule release? Yeah. N- not particularly. Okay. I was right. listening to 610, and I got all the... Hey. And then when it came out, all my buddies were all texting each other about how the Chiefs will do and the start and stuff, but I wasn't, like, locked in like you probably were, like... Getting all the updates on the tweets and things. You know, I wasn't locked in the TV. I was locked in the social media because that's where. But you have to differentiate what's real and what's not. I don't know if you heard of this guy, the NFL schedule. Oh, I heard about guy. this guy. So yeah. he, he did it. He was like last couple of weeks is very serious. You know, like Chiefs to Texans week one. And then he put the time and then that was it. There was no commentary, just straight games. And people start following. I saw people in the media like retweet this dude. Right. And. He was just straight-laced, man. I mean, just 100%. Then the schedule was released, and he, like, turns and starts making fun of Bengals fans and everything else and tells people how easy it is to uh, see something and believe in it or whatever. But it was like, whoa. That's why why you don't put much stock into these things. If you see credible people, like I I know Danny Parkins had put some stuff out. He used to work here. That's gold when that comes out. But there was so much of that, Grant. So it was kind of fun, just like when the morning shows are releasing a game. You know, like when NBC says like Chiefs and Bucks, you know, week four, and that that was that was fun because then then you know it's real because they're putting it out there. Then then you hope by the time it's released, I got to the point, Grant, where I stopped caring as much. Just give me the schedule. Like I waited for the social media of the Chiefs, like to send it out because I was tired of believing in something that wasn't going to be real. And then I'm like, all this is going to be over <laughs> by seven o'clock. And all this worrying about the schedule, we already know who they're playing. Like, we already know who they're playing. We just didn't know if it's a primetime game. But the bottom line is, it gets to a point in the day, and you're just like, all right, just give me the schedule. Because this, listen, I, I I love this stuff. Don't get me wrong. But this was a little bit too much this year. A little bit too much. You, Beach Jay Binkley, it. thought it was a little too much to run the schedule release today. It was, it was over the top. Even <laughs> I thought it was over the top. And that's unusual. Because I've been looking forward to this. I even did a schedule release show. But you know what, though? When we did that show, it was back in 14 or 15, something like that. I, I had talked to Boston, let me come in at 1130 at night and do a schedule release. And the only reason that that late, because we had to get the Royals game in. And then Vern had to do his post game. And I did a schedule release with Pete Sweeney. Pete Sweeney, I think, joined me for it. And uh, he was in here. And we had fun, but the schedule was already out. It was set. There was no guessing where you're going to play. So you talked about the games you're going to. Now, did you realize this schedule? Chiefs are the first team to start the, in the history of the NFL to start um, eight straight games against teams that had winning records in the previous season. That's per Elias Sports. You know, I know people are making a big deal of this. Adam Schefter tweeted it out. Uh, three of the first four are on the road. That That's what you should know. Three of the first four in the month of December is on the road. Five primetime games. Thirteen teams have five primetime games, believe it or not. It's like it's like this little huddle of 13 teams are getting all the, the TV time. But you never go by what happened last year. Like, I don't really care. I don't care what you did last year. When you see these strength of schedules things, and the Chiefs have like the fifth hardest schedule because of last year's winning percentage, the NFL didn't matter. Like, just like the Bengals. If you saw the Bengals on the schedule last year, you probably thought it was a win. They were only a four-win team the year before. So your schedule can change just like that. Here was a four-win team in the Super Bowl. But if you go by Vegas odds, the over-under win totals, that's, that's where it's real. And that's where the Chiefs have the hardest strength to schedule because you look at Vegas, what they think you're going to do this year, and you have the hardest strength to schedule. But don't give me last year's. The part, that I, the part I love about that strength to schedule graphic that came out is every single one of the NFC East teams was dead last. They're like 32nd, 31st, 30th, 29th. Yeah, they all play each other, so they, that's six games Just, right there. How miserable. It's so insane that the Cowboys can go cakewalk through that division. Yeah, I actually think the Eagles going to be pretty good this year. Washington, no, but... Giants, no. Yeah, it's going to be... Eventually, but not yet.
I think the Eagles actually and the Cowboys will be good football teams. The Eagles will be at least competent. I mean, they were a playoff team last year. That's true. I mean, I don't know whether to buy into Jalen Hurts yet or not. Not really at this point. I do, although I do like Jalen Hurts. Like watching him in college, but never do you look at. I know that everybody's making a big deal these first eight games for the Chiefs, and oh my God, it's murderers row. But do the Arizona Cardinals who they start off with really strike fear in anybody? I mean, DeAndre Hopkins not even playing in that when he's suspended. Kingsbury is going to be lucky to hold on to his job after this year. But Kingsbury always starts strong, right? He's always way better in the first half of the schedule than the second half. He was last year, you know. I thought that, isn't that trend all the way back to his Texas Tech days? I mean, I guess non-cons at the start. But But Mahomes knows how to beat him. Hey, here's the one thing about Cliff Kingsbury. Remember when he was at Texas Tech, Grant? I know you're a big uh, Big 12 fan like me, and you went to K-State, and Texas Tech was a very mediocre team. They could not play defense, right? I mean, you saw them when they played. I think Bill Snyder even hand-wrote a letter to Mahomes, one of his, like, crazy games he had because that's what he did. But they were they were ranked 128 out of 128 teams. It was 130 last year in FBS, but they were dead last in scoring defense, which is should have been a pro tip for people in the NFL that like Patrick Mahomes more than they did because he had the, he had the mindset is he has to score a touchdown every time he's on the field like he did his first year with the Chiefs because Bob Sutton's defense helped get Patrick Mahomes' MVP. So Mahomes did that, and then Kingsbury you knew was going to be let go at some point. And I was like, man, I would love this guy to be a consultant with the Chiefs. You know, that way he didn't have to worry about defense. He just worries about it because that offense was great. And what he did with Mahomes and the RPOs was awesome. And then all of a sudden he gets let go, and then he becomes the hottest thing since sliced bread. He becomes the – remember he was offensive coordinator for USC for like a day? Or it was longer than that, but it, what, he never was, it was like a season. month, though. Yeah, it, w- it was very short. Then all of a sudden, he's a head coach in the NFL, and I'm going, well, that, that pipe dream's gone. But you know what, though? I'm still holding on to it because, you know what? He did great things with Mahomes. But I thought, hey, this guy could be a consultant with the Chiefs. Then, boom, he becomes a head coach. And, you know. I mean, he doesn't have, as long as he doesn't have anything to do with the defense, like, it probably works out pretty good. I, he's smart on the offensive side of the ball. Very smart. Can't deny that. Very smart, but they're a uh, they're a, a struggling team. But the Chiefs are going to be underdogs in only three games this year at Tampa, home to the Bills. That's fun. Right now they said a point and a half uh, underdogs to the Bills at home, a team that they've beaten the last two years in the postseason. That's disrespectful. That is a dose of disrespect for the Kansas City Chiefs, and that's good. I'll put that chip on their shoulder, and then they're underdogs at the Chargers. I understand that one. I understand that one, and I understand the Bucks one. The Bills at home. Hey, the Bills are the Super Bowl favorite, but the Chiefs are right there at three. You know, I guess give the Bills their props, but I wouldn't make them. They always give the home team three points, basically. So they're basically saying they're four and a half points better than the Chiefs, which that's not true. I I know they beat them in the regular season, but, you know, the Chiefs usually beat the Bills. Let's just hope the game doesn't come down to 13 seconds because we know who's better with less time left on the clock. And and the Bills fans whine, too, because – I went on with the station um, in Rochester, New York, to cover the Buffalo Bills uh, in their Odyssey station. And we were talking, and I said, here's the thing. And before we go any further, don't forget this happened to the Chiefs against those Patriots who you guys know very well because for years, Brady kicked the Bills' ass. I mean, he was like 32-3 and out of like 35 games against them there for a while, all the time. Mahomes, same situation, didn't get a chance to go down and beat Brady, right? And the Chiefs tried to institute the rule. And I didn't hear people from Buffalo saying, oh, support the Chiefs in the overtime rule. we got to support the Chiefs. I didn't hear it. Did you hear it? I didn't see it anywhere. I mean, I, not until it happened to them. And that's what happens. When something happens to you, it becomes a big deal until it happened to them. But I, I reminded them, that game should have been in Buffalo, not Kansas City. But they choked. Losing to Jacksonville. <laughs> Games like that. Had they taken care of business, that game's in Buffalo last year. And maybe we're talking about the Bills in the Super Bowl instead of the Bengals. But I think they have to, you know, look at that game, that opening game against Pittsburgh where they're beating at home. The game against the Patriots where they didn't throw a uh, – the Patriots didn't throw a forward pass and beat them in Buffalo. They have themselves to blame because that game should have been in Buffalo. But if you want to call in about the schedule, feel free to do that. We'll pl- we'll talk plenty of that. I'll give you the Vegas odds as well with over and unders. 913-576-7610. Britt Beach was on with Rich Eisen. 
had some really interesting things to say. This will set up my interview with Ron Kopp coming up at 930 about building the Chiefs, the Tyree Kill situation, and this roster going forward. Now he looks at it. Talk about that next. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Bank Sunday, Jay Bankley, Grant Nicholson, producing the operation. I'm going to talk to Ron Kopp, AeroheadPride.com at 930. And a lot of it's going to be about some of these comments Brett Veach had to say. I found that... Uh, Pretty revealing, all the stuff he was talking to Rich Eisen about. About shaping this roster, building through the draft, going young. Don't forget, only four of these players were on the roster before Mahomes. Jones, Kelsey, and then Winchester and Butker. So two specialists and two other players. That's it. They were here before Mahomes. But uh, it was on the uh, Rich Eisen show this week, and Rich had asked him, how this offseason was different than the offseason the year before we had to rebuild the offensive line gives an interesting answer. It was a, a little bit different, uh, certainly, than the, the Super Bowl experience against Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was just one of those doomsday scenarios where we had an older offensive line, and in addition to that, we had our right tackle who was about to retire, and then the left tackle had a, a season, season in the injury. So that, in addition to the job of those guys are to protect, you know, what we feel is the best player in the NFL. So that was certainly one of those really obvious, we got to go. There's nothing more important than protecting Pat Mahomes. And and we certainly felt good about our plan last year and what we did and and liked that unit a lot. This year it was a little bit more of um, overall just we need to get better on both ends. And we have a lot of great young quarterbacks, not just in this league, but in particular uh, the AFC and then again in our division. And, and so we have to continue to provide the quarterback with weapons and protection. Uh, and then we certainly have to try to infuse the defense with more depth and, and, and more talent, in particular speed, uh, on the back end and, and, and try to build up our depth on the, on the D-line. So it was more of a, uh, an approach that we have to get better in all phases this offseason. And, um, you know, I think we – we were able to do that, and I think the way we got there was a little bit unique. And I think our plan initially in the off season was to, you know, we had Orlando on the tag, and we wanted to take care of Tyreek, and then kind of address the defense. And then the way the market shifted with the receivers, and um, the way the market shifted with the veteran defensive linemen, we kind of altered our course of action and, and decided to go um, through the draft. Uh, almost entirely and you know again I think we're happy with the way it turned out but there's going to be a lot of young guys you're going to see out there on the defensive side but I I think that we're very um, hopeful that these guys are going to be who we think they are so it put them in a situation they have the Orlando Brown tag this this offseason they wanted to build the team through the draft there's nothing wrong with that philosophy I mean the Steelers have done that philosophy and they've won championships and they're always relevant and they're always making the postseason 
and then you, even when you think they're down, they still find a way to make it. The Patriots, it's how they did things. They built things through the draft. The Green Bay Packers built everything. That, that, that team probably built their team through the draft more than any other team. Yeah, they brought in Woodson. They brought in Jeff Saturday, but that was about it. Everything else came through the draft for the Green Bay Packers, and that's what he's doing. A much younger team for the Kansas City Chiefs, and it was last year was about building that offensive line. Now he did a great job of it. You know, it took Orlando Brown a little while. He came over from a run-dominated offense, came over from an offense that led the NFL in the history of, of rushing yards when he was in uh, Baltimore, and then he comes here as a much different offense. He was here at OTAs, was at minicamp, but it takes him off that line to gel. Now they'll be ready to roll. This will be year two for Creed Humphrey. Think about how good he's going to be. Trey Smith, how good he's going to be. They're already good. And then you got Joe Tooney that's the ultimate professional. It has a great track record. The only player ever to start in three Super Bowls his first three seasons in the NFL when he was in New England. Yeah, he carries that with him too. And Orlando Brown will get a contract from the Chiefs. Then maybe it's Darian Kennard the right tackle for the Chiefs. But this offensive line will essentially be the offensive line for Patrick Mahomes going forward. And this year was different. It was a different situation. Get much younger. And you might say, okay, this year was more difficult than last year because last year was about rebuilding the offensive line. They wanted to bring in Juju. Obviously, that shows you how bad they wanted to bring in Juju Smith-Schuster. They didn't get him. They finally got him this year. But the bottom line is Melvin Ingram. They wanted Melvin Ingram too. Didn't get him till around the trade deadline but just some interesting th stuff there from Brett Veach and he also mentioned what happened to Tyreek like what happened to that whole deal did they think they were going to sign him and they weren't able to do it so they had to trade him but this is uh, kind of what went through Brett Veach's mind with the whole Tyreek Hill situation well listen it's probably a combination of, of a few things um you know the season ended and as you know Rich we when teams go to the combine, they they certainly go there to evaluate the college prospects, but they also are, are there to discuss um, contracts with their players and, and the agents that are there. So uh, the season ended, and again, the game plan for the off season was to, um, you know, get more depth and, and talent on the defensive side and, and see if we can take care of Tyreek. And uh, we had a chance to talk to Drew Rosenhaus at the combine on multiple occasions, and I think we laid an initial framework for a contract, and we felt things were kind of trending in the right direction. Uh, all big contracts take a few weeks, and you know, some take a few months. But we, we left there, and we felt like we were in a pretty good place. Um, and then, as you know, the um, the wide receiver market just exploded and, and went in a, in a crazy different direction. So we were looking at a situation where if we wanted to acquire – let's say, a veteran defensive end, uh, and where that market went, we would do so, but then it would be very difficult uh, to do Tyreek. And, and, and how could we sign uh, a veteran defensive end to a contract like that and not address Tyreek's situation? Right? That would have been a problem, and, and it wouldn't have been something that we would have done given our relationship with, with Tyreek and all that he has done for the organization over the years. And uh, on the flip side, when the market went to where it went, mm -hmm. if – we did that in addition to carrying an Orlando Brown tag, in addition to the contracts that we have, then there'd be no way to address the defense and to do anything on the defensive side. So it was either an all or nothing scenario that we just took a step back. And, and this is, um, you know, the great thing about how we operate here. We, we certainly go through all the scenarios. And, and one of the scenarios was that if we couldn't get something done, um, you know, this possibility. And, and so it made sense that if you really wanted to add – some weapons and, and, and to invest in multiple uh, players and multiple positions that this may be the best scenario for us. Because, as I mentioned, if you do Tyreek, it's going to be hard to sign some of these veteran defense alignment. And it also puts you in a bind in years to come. And if you do the defense alignment, I mean, it, you'd probably have to tell Tyreek, you know, we couldn't do anything this year. So, again, we would have never gone that direction. Um, so after taking a step back, uh, and, and, and talking things through with with, um, with Andy and with Clark, it just made sense for us to to um, to entertain this trade. And, and when we realize that we can get multiple picks, a one, two, four, four, and a six, that this would be a way to hit draft and receiver, uh, throw a ton of resources on the defensive side of the football, and then also infuse money back into the cap, both in the short and long term, um, so that next year we can be a player in free agency. And so this route that we decided to take, it really opened up 
what we think are many avenues to improve the roster over the next few years. So there you go. Improve the roster over the next few years. It was a tough decision. Talked to Andy about it. They talked to Clark about it. Decided to trade Tyree Kill. When you hear stuff like that, it makes it makes a lot more sense. Pay more players. Maybe you have to tell Tyreek they can't do the deal with them this year. But the really interesting thing here, too, is about the Devontae Adams deal, about how that really screwed everything around and kind of flipped things over. And once uh, Christian Kirk got his money, once Devontae Adams got his money, they knew they weren't going to be able to pay Tyreek Hill. Well, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, I, I think as you saw, Rich, you know, they all did. And, and you know, Christian Kirk came right out of the bat and right. opened it up. And then Devontae Adams, and then it was just nonstop, one after, one after the other. So we kind of thought, well, if we do this here, we might be uh, out of free agency the next two or three years. And, and, and look, this game is, I mean, gosh, it's so hard uh, to be good year in and year out. And, and you just, more than anything, you have to have a roster that can handle um, the physicality of this game and, you know, the injuries. And, I mean, year in and year out, teams are just holding on to get to the bye week so they can take a breath. And it's, it's hard. And and so, like I said, when, when we thought about this opportunity long and hard and, and to infuse, you know, not just the picks but the cast base over the next few years, it just it, it made a lot of sense uh, to us. And, and, you know, and I think it worked out for, for both parties. I know that's uh, kind of a – a cliche there and it's like sounds good everybody says it but I, I really do I, I think that you know Miami has a chance to um to do some things with with Tyreek and you know listen he lives there and his family's there and it was important for him to be there and he, you know that was a place he wanted to be so that's you know he deserved that and, and he certainly has helped us reach heights that you know many thought were uh impossible over the years so uh, I think he was deserving of that contract and I was happy for him and then like I said I was just happy that we were able to um get resources to help continue to build this thing for the next five, 10 years. And I think that we've taken the right step and that won't be easy. And we're going to have a lot of young guys play football for us this fall. There's going to be a transition period, but um, I mean, after the draft ended and from the time they've been here through the rookie mini camps, I mean, we've been certainly impressed with them and their attitude. So we're excited about um, getting this thing rolling. Makes a lot of sense. They aren't going to get Tyreek. You got to, uh, you got to think about the other players on the team that you have to get. Not something wanted to do, but they were able to get the picks from it. But, yeah, Devontae Adams, Christian Kirk getting that much money. I mean, this guy's never even had 1,000 yards in the NFL. The wide receiver market just exploded, and I think a lot of teams looked at it and said, you know what, there's a lot of quality receivers in this year's draft, a lot of them. You get younger, you get cheaper, and then you don't have to worry about paying them for another four years or the first-round pick, five-year with a fifth-year option, and then you go younger once again in the draft. So not something you want to do, but something they felt they had to do. I talked to Ron Kopp, arrowheadpride.com, lead analyst for them. We talk about Brett Beach's comments next. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house and owning it. Having an advocate who can help you navigate negotiations, timelines, inspections, and more can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Welcome back to Bank Sunday. Jay Binkley, Grant Nicholson, produced the operation. Just took from Brad Beach, there was a Rich Eisen show talking about the youth movement. For the Kansas City Chiefs and the Chiefs defense and parting ways with Tyree Kill and why they decided to make that decision. Now we'll be joined by Ron Kopp, lead analyst, arrowheadpride.com. 
talk about such things like that, but five of the ten draft picks, defensive back. So, Ron, that Rich, Rich Eisen, I know you had seen it because you tweeted out about it as well, but uh, the youth movement has begun on defense. Yeah, no, definitely emphasize the, the youth on defense for sure. But to start it off here, I, I do want to tie in his quotes with the, the Tyreek stuff because I think you could even extend the youth conversation, even though it's not all about uh, like the age at, rec- at the receiver position, but just the inexperience. We got to remember that the entire receiving core pretty much is getting overhauled besides McCole Hardman. Uh, Byron Pringles and Marcus Robinson and Tyree Kill were all playing more snaps at times than Hardman last year, playing above him uh, for majority of the time. And, and they're all gone. And so not only is it a youth uh, overhaul in defense, but we're going to have to get used to the fact that Mahomes is looking at an entirely different wide receiver core for the first time really in his, his career. He's always had Tyreek. DeMarcus has been there pretty much the whole time. Pringle's always been that kind of weapon for him too. Now he's starting pretty much all the way over. Because even a guy like Hardman, you know, we're, it's a projection for him to become you know, a, a legitimate receiver, I guess, or just more of that like Z or slot type that you think of as a Tyreek Hill maybe. You know, it's a projection. He's been a role player in his career so far. And I, I think he could still be just more of a role player. I, I think that might be what, what happens. But all that to say, I, I'm really interested to kind of see, you know, uh, not only the youth movement on defense, but just the overhaul in the receiving core and how it affects Mahomes. Because I think we've always seen Mahomes, you know, at times in the season, gets a little uncomfortable in the pocket, maybe doesn't have the greatest pocket uh, management. We always – and we maybe kind of blame the, the uh, offensive line overhaul maybe in the last few years for that what's going to happen when he doesn't trust the receivers he sees downfield maybe as much as he did before because he's just not used to it you know is that going to cause those same issues even if the offensive line is better so it's just an interesting thought I, I really think I'm I'm interested to see just the the entire overhaul of the receiving core how it affects Mahomes this year that's my takeaway from it yeah you know what in, in last year you know talking about just the differences between last offseason and this offseason the uh rebuilding of the offensive line which they did and it took him a little while Ron I don't know if you when you looked at the offensive line, listen, they, they were, they're good players. Tooney, obviously a great player in the NFL. Orlando Brown, an established player. But he had played some left tackle, mostly right tackle with the Ravens. Comes from a run offense, uh, more of a passing offense here. And you had Creed Humphrey, the rookie. Trey Smith, the rookie. And it was uh, right tackle by committee. So, But it took him a while. I don't think the line really gelled, even though they were here in OTAs, even though they were here in minicamp. I don't think they really felt comfortable. I'm not sure Mahomes really trusted them till midway through the season. Yeah, I think you're right there. And I think we could see a very similar thing in the receiving core. And, and that could definitely impact when we talk about the schedule that just came out and seeing how hard of a schedule they have, especially to open up. You know, historically, one of the hardest uh, uh, by, you know, opponent strength uh, uh, record last year, one of the hardest in NFL history. You know, I, I do think that could factor in. And I think that's where you could maybe – especially with, when you add in Veach's comments on the defense, the youth, as you've already mentioned, all that could add up to maybe this was kind of Veach's warning shot is kind of flare shot saying, hey, look, like this team could be in a good spot, but with, with all this youth, all this inexperience maybe together, it could not be very pretty record-wise right off the gate, right? You know, you're playing a lot of good teams. You're playing on the road a lot for you to start the season. You know, they could be in a pretty good spot you now how they feel about it. And they could still be at 500 halfway through the season. You know, it's just that's how hard the schedule is in today's NFL. You know, as, as much as the Chiefs aren't the favorite anymore in the Super Bowl and the AFC, they're still going to have that huge target on their back. And, and teams are still going to get up to play them every week. And the Chiefs are going to have to match that energy. And, you know, it'll just be, you know, maybe it, it might be easier maybe with a new influx of talent, guys that aren't bogged down by, hey, you know, we've been the successful team over and over, you know, new guys, you know, kind of a new energy maybe to it. But still, I, I do think, you know, Veach, Veach talked about, and, and that's where I'll uh, go into it here with the defense, man. There's a, there's a lot of exciting players on defense. But, yeah, there's a lot of y- y- young guys, too. And I just feel like that, that could really, you know, too, with all the offenses they're going to play in the division, all these good quarterbacks, you know, they could feel good about the youth on the defense next year. And it could still not lead to, you know, a great defense, a successful defense, just because they want to get all these young guys reps. You're losing guys like Hitchens, obviously, Tyron Matthew, obviously. There's going to be some young guys on the defensive line. They're going to have to play a lot more than they did last year because you don't have Jaron Reed anymore. We're going to see if Melvin Ingram is, is, is coming back. So, yeah, I just think overall, I think this might have been Veach's little warning shot saying, hey, guys, even if, even if you know, we look like a good team, be prepared with this schedule, with all this youth on the team, this inexperience together, it might not start off super well with, with the way the schedule is going, maybe. 
And when you look at it, like you're right. They, I mean, they did overhaul this wide receiving group, but they overhauled the secondary as well. You know, they, yeah. they completely had to redo that from Tyron Matthew being gone, Traverius Ward gone. So I think they did that and the receivers. I don't know which one they did more. I feel more confident with the receivers because Mahomes was out there working, you know, working with them. Like Camp right. Patrick, he couldn't really work with the offensive line. You know, he had that. It was a wait and see and, you know, get in front of, you know, defensive linemen getting in there, figuring out his timing, how much time he's going to have in the pocket, where's going to be the strengths of his offensive line. I feel much more comfortable with him getting acclimated receivers because he's down in Texas throwing the juju, throwing the MBS. He'll be throwing the sky more. I just feel like that's more controllable by him other than what yeah. the line was. So, like, that part gives me comfort. Yeah, that's a really good point um, because you're right, especially if you're comparing the defensive overall too. I mean, you know, it's not like Spags can get with these guys down in Texas like Mahomes can get yeah. with, you know, the receivers. So I think it's a really good point. And, and that's the thing. Mahomes is going to make the receivers better. And, and just when I when you think about, the, the like, again, comparing the defensive backs, the defensive backfield turnover was pretty much all rookies, you know, all draft picks, right? Uh, pretty much. Obviously, Justin Reed is a, is a, a veteran free agent signing. The receiver overhaul, you know, two of them were, were MVS and Juju Smith-Schuster, guys who have played in, in, in high-powered offenses, understand what it's like to, you know, be a weapon in, a, in an offense that's putting up, you know, 30, 40 points a game at times. You know, both of those guys, under, you know, so it, it is a little different, you know, and, and, and that gives you comfort, like you're saying. And Mahomes, you know, he's the type of quarterback that, you know, it's a tie that, that lifts all boats. So all that to say, you know, and I, and I do think there's an offensive change that we're going to see this year in terms of maybe it isn't as pass happy when you don't have a Tyreek Hill in the receiving core. You know, maybe maybe you do kind of trust this offensive line to, to get, you know, efficient yards on the ground and, and really be more of a play action, big sh- you know, shot type of uh, team. I just don't think defenses are going to necessarily adjust and just say, okay, Chiefs are run heavy now. All right, we'll just let Patrick Mahomes throw vertically on us all the time now because we want to stop the run. I think that's going to be the, the interesting part of all this is even if they want to change how they play offensively, I think defenses might still just say, look, we really don't want to want Mahomes to beat us on any given play. We're going to play it safe still. And so it's going to, it, it's going to be fascinating again. You know, if, if they really want to, you know, rely on the ground game, defenses might still give that to them. And that's just going to be, you know, interesting to see if they really want to, you know, be, uh, if they really want to be patient with that, right. And, and play the run game. And, and again, you know, kind of, kind of compensate for the fact that they don't have the receiving core they're all used to, and they're going to be all be adjusting maybe right off the bat uh, to start the schedule. Talking to Ron Kopp, lead analyst for arrowheadpride.com. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Ron underscore Kopp. That's K-O-P-P. All right, Ron, I haven't had a chance to talk to you since the schedule uh, was released, and I know that the first eight games, no team's ever played, you know, teams with winning records from the year before from Alliance Sports, and that makes it, whoa, wow, but the thing is, I never go by what you did last year because it's like last year, the Bengals. You know, you see the Bengals on the schedule, like, oh, it was a four-win team the year before, you know, and all of a sudden they're in the Super Bowl, right? But the Vegas odds one, I think you can put a little more stock in where they do have the toughest schedule by projected over-under wins. But how did you come out on the schedule? Because I know if we're going to talk, be honest with it, three of the first four are on the road. This has been a good road team, but again, they're going to be tested. Mm-hmm. Then three of the first four in December on the road as well and that's something they usually have those home december games but overall when you look up and down the schedule what are your thoughts on it no you just hit it on the the nail on the head right there when i first saw that we we were going to have three out of four to start the season on the road i mean that was before the rest of the schedule uh came out i was like okay well you know what that leads to a bunch of home december games you know they always treat and right in this sense it feels like the chiefs always get those late home games and they do have a couple in december but you just mentioned it right there. Three straight road games to start the month of December. And they don't have a bye week late this year. They have a week eight bye. It's the earliest bye week for the Chiefs since 2016. You know, they've always given Andy that late bye week. And so my main takeaway is they just didn't really give, you know, Andy Reid many favors this year. And I feel like they usually do. Now, I do I do think, you know, they, they get a little bit of advantage right off the top, right? Cardinals don't have DeAndre Hopkins for the first six weeks of the season. You get them in that period. Also, I do think playing Thursday night, in the season I like that I, I think you know it gets it out of the way they don't have to worry about a short week when they're all tired you know week 12 11 13 um you know because that's how it was last year you know you get it out of the way it's your home opener you're playing at home you don't have to go on the road for the short week um I, I, I really like that and I do think it gives them an advantage over the Chargers who obviously you know early in the season short week on the road you know coming from the west coast that's a little different right 
So there was a little advantage at the top, but overall, we already knew it was going to be a really hard schedule. But then there's these road stretches, man. Uh, you know, again, three out of three to start December, but it's actually four out of five total in a, in a stretch if you go into November a little bit too because they play at L.A., then play home against the Rams, and then go on three straight uh, road games in December. So, yeah, man, it, there was a lot of tough stretches. We already knew that was going to be the case, but they did pile on a little bit in terms of the, the amount of road games in a row at certain points. You know, obviously the early uh, week, uh, the early week eight by think about it like this. And Pete was the one who mentioned this on our rapid reaction show. And he did the quick math for us. If the Chiefs were to go win, you know, go to the Super Bowl to do that after that week eight by, they would have to play 13 straight weeks without rest. Mm-hmm. until that, you know, if, if they didn't get the one seed, I should say, excuse me, if they didn't get the one seed. So all that to say, man, it's a lot different than what they've had in the past. But hopefully this team with a little, you know, uh, youth movement, a little more energy, you know, that 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 early week bye doesn't maybe uh, rough them up as much as maybe in the past. Where I really think it's the late week bye, the late season bye, I should say, is a really, really um, a huge advantage for contending teams. I think it's, it's a really big thing that the Chiefs don't get this year. Well, it's a good point because November twentieth, they're at the Chargers. Then the Rams at home, but then on the road with the Bengals, the Broncos, and the Texans. And the Texans yeah. don't worry there, but they. I know the Broncos are tired of you know losing thirteen straight to the Chiefs, and you know we'll see if it gets to a point where that that's a tougher game. Probably will be with Russell Wilson, and we know Denver right. played the Chiefs good last year, but Chiefs are twenty five and seven on the road since two thousand eighteen. That's good. Two thousand twenty, they went eight zero on the road, but I'll put an asterisk by that because that's where there was no fans essentially. At some of these games, yeah. made it a little different, but you know, five and three on the road last year, seven and one on the road in 2019. So they went 15 and one two straight years there on the road with Patrick Mahomes. So it doesn't really concern me that. But the, the, there are stretches in here, man, with the schedule. Three of them they're underdogs, and um, you can catch that story over on ArrowheadPride.com. You guys did a great job of breaking down the schedules and where the uh, tough games are and where the ones you think that are winnable are. I don't know if you've done a win-loss yet, Ron, or if you even you even attempt that. Some people don't do that. Some do. Uh, have you had I fun have. with W's and L's yet? Yeah, I have. I have. I was tasked with a way-too-early uh, game-by-game prediction. And you know that's how we do it at Arrowhead Pride. you got to get the predictions out and um, put it on the record. So, yeah. you know, going game-by-game, game, you know, it, it's so tough because – Obviously, it's so easy to say, look, you know, they, they're going to lose the games that we all think they're going to lose because they're going to win the games that we all think they're going to win too. I always like to get a little creative with it, you know. And, and so I did end up at 12-5 and five, even with getting a little creative, trying to be, you know, look, you know, they split. I, I have them splitting each division series. I really think the division is that good. Maybe even if they get 2-0 and, oh, uh, and, and on one team in the division, they go 0-2 oh against another because I just think it's going to be that tough. And I, and I really do think it's, it's, it's going to be a success if you go 4-2 and two in the division this year. I really think it's going to how hard it is. And so if you factor that in, maybe they go 3-3 three and three in the division to be conservative. That's two losses outside of the division. And with all the teams on the schedule, that's actually pretty optimistic. So all that to say is I went 12-5, and five and, I, and I think that may even be, you know, pretty optimistic for what the Chiefs in terms of what we already talked about, the youth movement this year, how hard the schedule is. Kind of just a transition period. And, again, I think Veach kind of maybe was hinting at it a little bit. Like, this could be more of a transition year than we'd all like to think. But it's just the truth. So, I have 12-5 and five as kind of an, an optimistic record. And, and, look, trust me, we get maybe we get to the season. Mahomes is Mahomes. Andy Reid's Andy Reid. All of a sudden, they're still one of the best teams in the league. And we're all, you know, feeling dumb for being pessimistic at all. But at the same time, and it's so hard to win the NFL. And even a 12-5 and five record is, is still a good record for, for a contending team. You know what? I did the same thing. I, I did this thing like three or four times. You know, I did it initially, and I did it once when I was hammered. And they were fifteen and two, by the way. When that was oh, hammered. there we go. Yeah, yeah that's I, I sobered up some, and I finally got to eleven and six, which is still a good mark. Eddie Reed averages over eleven wins a year, but I did this three or four times. I came up to twelve and five a lot, but then I sat here and went mm, going back and forth. And you hate to pick losses because those could easily be wins. I mean, the, the, this whole schedule, the Chiefs. Obviously, they're only underdogs in three games. They could win each one of these. They're not going to, but certainly these games are difficult because we don't know who's going to be injured at a certain point. Could there be injuries that affect some of these games, uh, both uh, Chiefs injuries or the injury of the opponent? Uh, like the Chiefs play the who's who of quarterbacks this year in the NFL. Yeah. It's like elite quarterback after elite quarterback this year. If one of those guys goes out, that could change the whole the whole landscape can be changed with injuries. I think we look at this before the year, and so much can happen, as we all know. 
Yeah, well, and, and another scheduling quirk, or quirk too that that I didn't uh, get out before was it is kind of weird that they don't play Denver until you know week fourteen. It's the first time they'll play Denver all year. I do think that's a little bit of, of a disadvantage for the Chiefs in sense. You know, uh, it gives Russell and the Broncos time to kind of get together. You know, uh, gel a little bit with it, that talented receiving core. So yeah, no, the schedule doesn't do them any favors, and so even if they are you know a, a very good team this year, like they always are, and, and we should all expect them to be a very good team, right? It, it still could lead to having that, that type of record. So I think 12-5, and 11-6 is a sweet spot. And if they outperform that, I think we really got to get props and, and really give credit to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes specifically for kind of, you know, taking this transition period, not having Tyreek Hill anymore, and still becoming, you know, one of the, the best teams in the NFL. I just think that would go out to how, how really good those, those two are. Well, did any of your uh, Debbies and L's have the Broncos finally beaten the Chiefs? So yeah, I, I, that's the thing. I did. I did have them splitting each division series. I, okay. I just, just kind of, in, in my head, I'm thinking, both all teams are real. All teams are really good in the division. Even like, like I said, just three and three total in the division. You know, I think right now, I, I think the, the Chiefs are still the better team than the Broncos. But I, I want to see how they look, man. Because I, I, Russell Wilson is a polarizing player. We don't know for sure if he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He wasn't the last time we saw him, right? And, you know, he, he's been. A, a, you know, a no, he hasn't been great. That's the thing. Yeah, he gets a lot of run, yeah. but he hasn't been great. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I do, I do want to see how that works first. But again, having not playing the Chiefs as Denver until December 11th, I think what it is. I mean, that gives you a lot of time to gel and, and get your together. Be you know, come together as a team. You play them at home first, and then you play an Arrowhead like week 17. So, yeah, I, I think each division team has a really good shot. I'll tell you the Raiders, I, I actually, just to kind of mix it up, I had them coming into Arrowhead week five Monday night and, and pulling the upset um, just to, you know, spice it up a little bit just because I really think Josh McDaniels understands who he needs to be as a Raiders coach. And he may not win every game he's supposed to, but I could see him, you know, getting up and being prepared to beat the team, you know, the, the Bills and the Chiefs. You know, he's that type of coach where he may lack maybe overall as a, as a consistent win and loss, but he's going to get his team ready to go for those particular matchups, you know, have the specific game plan. And just early in the season, I could see him, you know, hole off and getting something ready for week five just because he knows how important it is as a Raiders coach to win, to, to win against the Chiefs. So I'd watch out for the Raiders this year, too. They'll be feisty. Great stuff. Ron Cup, lead analyst, arrowheadpride.com. Good conversation, Ron. I enjoyed it. Uh, we'll talk to, you, uh, talk to you soon, my friend. Yes, sir, Jay. I appreciate you. There you go, Ron Cop. Right there. And I'll address some of uh, what Ron had to say there because I'm interested. You know, the, the Broncos, Chiefs have beat them 13 straight times at the year. The Broncos finally beat the Chiefs. I'll let you know what I think next. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Bink Sunday here for a few minutes. Uh, Jay Binkley, Green Nicholson, actually more than a few minutes. We're going till noon, but... So Ron thinks the Chiefs will split with their divisional opponents. That was pretty disrespectful. <laughs> Which one do you see them splitting with? Because I'm with you on that. I don't have them splitting with all of them, but I do have them splitting with the Chargers. I was about to say, I think it's the Chargers is the big one that stands out as a, as a potential split. Just because it feels like they've always kind of had the Chiefs number when the Chiefs are kind of on this AFC West run. You know, I, I and they're the better put, team. I wouldn't put it past the Raiders doing it either, either to be honest with you, because they'll have those games. Remember last year, it came to the very end. The Chiefs have good games with the Raiders from time to time. And they'll surprise the Chiefs. I do think they'll beat the Broncos, and they'll move that 13-game winning streak to 15. Yeah, I mean, both times. obviously all the teams in the AFC West are pretty good. Like, it wouldn't shock me yeah. if they split, but to come out and predict a split with every single one of them. Just saying, I'm looking forward to beating Denver yet again because it, it, think about what it's going to do to their psyche. They're already frustrated because D- Denver's a big football town. They, they love the Denver Broncos. They're very passionate about the Denver Broncos. And they don't like Kansas City. And I remember when they drafted Shane Ray and they didn't like he had a fact the Chiefs had tattoo on his back. I think they held it against Drew Locke because he's from Kansas City when he was there. And they never fully embraced him because he's a Kansas City kid. Wonder if we should tell them that their head coach went to high school in Kansas City, Nathaniel Hackett, because they can't get away from Kansas City. Like they just can't get away from it, and they've lost thirteen straight. Last quarterback to beat them was Peyton Manning to beat the Chiefs. He's already in the Hall of Fame. 
<laughs> it's how long it's been. And it's the last quarterback for the Broncos to beat the Chiefs. 13 straight. They would like nothing better, and they think they have their answer with Russell. Russell's getting billboards. People are acting like Russell Wilson, you know, has, like, yes, he did win a ring. He did win a ring. I'll give a lot of credit to that defense, too. That defense was better than the Chiefs that won that Super Bowl. Like, Patrick Mahomes had the guy that offense to win that Super Bowl. That defense was better with the Legion of Zoom. Not the Legion of Boom. We had the Legion of Zoom. They had the Legion of Boom. But they were a good secondary. They were a good defense. But it's not like Russell Wilson racked up MVPs. Matter of fact, he's never won one. And Always maybe, good in the September MVP race, though. Yeah, always. Great in September. Always September MVP race. Now, he, he had terrible lines. He sacked more than quarterback the last couple of years. But nothing wows me. I mean, nothing wows me about Russell Wilson going to Denver. Sure, it's, it's an upgrade for him. But is it the end-all, be-all? I mean, is Russell Wilson still a top-10 quarterback? Maybe right towards the end of that list, you but it's not him, a slam dunk. You have to put him towards the end. In the, in the AFC, the hierarchy that he joins, is he better than Mahomes? No. Is he better than Joe Burrow? I don't think so. Is he better than Justin Herbert? I don't think so. Is he better than Josh Allen in Buffalo? I don't think so. I don't even know if he's better than Deshaun Watson. Because we haven't seen Watson play in a year. Then the year before, Watson led the NFL in passing yards. Are we sure he's better than Derek Carr? Are we 100% We're positive? We're not 100% no. sure. Lamar Jackson's a former MVP. Is he better than Lamar Jackson who's still in his prime? I mean, I don't know. I mean, you can look at the AFC. I know that there's two NFC quarterbacks better than he is. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, so they're already ahead of him in that order, too. We just listed you a bunch of AFC quarterbacks that are ahead of him. It's interesting. We'll talk more about this as we as we go, but I do want to talk about um, – the Chiefs, um, these odds in Buffalo and why people are still loving Buffalo so much. Dan Orlovsky had some insane comments on ESPN next. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. <laughs> 